pond. My, my wife Amber and I do lead a village in Franklin too. Um, but you're going to start hearing more about what we're doing in our community. Uh, I'm going to start being visual with it, let, let you guys see, hear the stories, so that way you can know what's happening here instead of just only ever knowing what's going abroad. So. Yeah, when we started this church, we were... Um I wasted a lot of time, being honest with you, <laughs> studying how to plant a church because I didn't, well, clearly I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but, you know, and you hear all these things where you got to have, you know, your uh, four things that are your things. And, and for a while there, we thought, well, we got four things. We got sandwiches and such, pizza plus, meat and more. <laughs> sandwiches and such would be communion. Uh, pe- no. Um, and then we realized that Acts, we, you know, we didn't really have to make up anything because the Bible gave us one in Acts 2.42. It gave us a playlist. It says that they devoted themselves to communion, to fellowship, to prayer, to, the, uh, to teaching in verse 42. And then the, the next few verses, 43 and 44, says these are the things that happened as a result of those things, that they cast out demons, that the, the sick were healed, that lives were being changed. And in verse 48, it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. And, and it, I thought, well, that's it prayer, communion, fellowship, teaching. Bingo. It's simple. And as we've looked out over the last year, sure the Lord has added to our numbers here as well. And, and at first I thought, well, I wonder how this whole works thing it works. Uh, he will add to our numbers daily those that are being saved. You know, we live in Williamson County. A lot of us kind of already are. And then it was like the Lord prompted me to remind me that when you combine what's happened in Togo, when you combine what's happening in Haiti and all around the globe, and even through our partner ministries, I was talking to Mark Bourgeois this morning about what's going on in Uganda. He showed me images of the 700 kids, the video of them welcoming in a school that they are funding over there that the Lord really is indeed adding to our numbers daily. He never promised that it would be our, like our little club numbers. In fact, if anything, he seems to glory more in small groups of people doing big things for him as opposed to the other way around. So, uh, so we have been seeing that he's been adding to our numbers daily. But that said, that fellowship, that's a really important component of it. And it's important that we not only fellowship with each other, that is absolutely what we ought to do. We ought to come together. You know, you've heard that, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, right? And I, we all got bloodied up over that growing up. Every time the doors are open, and even sometimes when they're not, you've got to be at the church. But, you know, that's Hebrews 10, 24, and in verse 23, it actually says what we're supposed to do once we get there, because it isn't necessarily we've got to do three fast songs, two slow songs, the offering, a teaching, and a dismissal. He says, and when you come together, in verse 22 or 23 of Hebrews 10, provoke one another to good works. And so that's what we as a church hopefully are doing. We're provoking each other, double dog daring each other to go do something good for the Lord on his behalf. That was, I think it's Acts 8 where Jesus actually gives, if, if he were have a, a business card where it said Jesus, uh, it would be, title would be Christ, by the way, not his last name. I don't know if you know that. Um, and under that would be his little thing. And it says that Peter said, this was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went around doing good. That's what he did. And that's what we ought to do. And that's so as a church, we are fellowshipping in our groups together, in the villages and in our connect groups and those things when we're together. But in Romans 15, this is an extra sermon, by the way. In Romans, when he said that we sent our contribution talking to the saints that were in Jerusalem who were being persecuted and were tortured and were starving. And then 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he talks about we've sent our gift to you. The, the, again, talking about the, the saints, specifically the, the Jews that were being oppressed, the Christian Jews. He said, we sent our gift. That word gift is the word koinonia. We sent our koinonia to you. And in Acts 2.42, when it says fellowship, 
And if you've been around, especially in the 70s when the Jesus music, that word koinonia was kind of a hot name, you know, for Christian clubs or whatever. It was fellowship. So when we hang out together, yeah, we're, we're, that is fellowship. But it's deeper and it's more profound. When we serve each other, when we serve those around the globe, we're sending our koinonia to them. The, the houses that are being built in Haiti, the, the kids in Uganda, in Togo, in Ukraine, in India coming up, we're sending our fellowship to India. So that's the big picture. And how do we do that? Well, we split up into groups and then we provoke and double dog dare each other to go do something good. So that's, that's it. That's conduit. Hey, if you're a visitor, uh, thanks. We're really glad that you came. We know there's a lot of great churches in this community and doing great things for the kingdom. So we're honored that you'd give any time to come and hang out with us uh, on a Sunday. And if you are a visitor, we'd love to have a record of your visit. And uh, I think I know almost everybody. But raise your hand if you're visiting. And our uh, Mr. January from the Conduit Swimsuit Calendar, uh, Greg Swinford, will be glad to. That's, that joke still got kind of legs. I'm going to have to find a new one. But for now, it's still got legs. If you'd raise your hand, Greg will give you a... <laughs> A card, and then uh, when the offering is taken later, you can. Uh, it's a little trick I'm going to teach you. You put it in the offering, and it looks like you're giving, and it's fine, and we're totally cool with that. So, uh, <laughs> if you would open your Bible to the book of Luke, I do want to tell you that next week is Easter, in case you haven't been keeping track. Um, we're going to do something a little different in an Easter service. Uh, I couldn't get anybody to be volunteered that we could crucify in the skit. And so, well, it was going to be Ren, but he got his hair cut, so he doesn't look like Jesus anymore. So, um, so instead, we're going to do some other cool things, and one of them is we're going to dedicate some babies. Uh, what better thing to do in, in, in new life and, and being born again than to uh, get some of them that have been born the first time. So we've already got some of you signed up, and, and in truth, some of it is logistical because we are in such a transient touring community that some of our young bucks who have had babies uh, can only be here on Easter because they're working every other Sunday of the year. So we're going to do those baby dedications. If you want to uh, have your baby dedicated, uh, would you see my wife Shannon after and let her know? Because uh, we want to, we want to, we need to know ahead of time. Just we want to have a little gift we want to give you, and so we just got to know ahead of time so we can have that ready. And the other thing is the ladies' lunch, which I'm assuming is going to be things like salted and cured meats, lots of jerky. Um, no, it's probably is it quiche? What is it going to be? It's next Sunday. No, I made that up. Next Sunday's Easter. Man, I stink at announcements. This is why we never do them, because I'm no good at them. So it's, it's May 1st, which is not, in fact, next Sunday. And so if you could sign up for that, we also are going to have some food that will probably not be any salted and cured meats. But, uh, and it's going to be at Deer Run. It's going to be hanging out. And so Joanne Swain, would you raise your hand? And, and Shannon are kind of running points. If you could see one of those two to help, at the sign-up table so we can know that you're there. And, guys, uh, where are we going to meet? Just we'll, we'll think about that. We'll drop the kids at sodium. and No. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's child care provided, right? Isn't there going to be? No. Oh, crud. Okay. <laughs> if you'd open your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 19. In verse 29. It's Palm Sunday, which in fact does not mean uh, discounts at the palm for lunch. As he approached Bethpage, it says in verse 29, and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say that the Lord needs it. 
And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Imagine somebody coming into your yard and taking one of your kids' bikes saying, hey, be back. They brought it to Jesus. They said the Lord needs it, and they brought it to Jesus, verse 35. Threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, and not the rolling stones. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known that this day would bring you peace, and the King James, that this is your day of your visitation. But now it is hidden from your eyes, and the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. And they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are approaching your word today not in an academic sense, but it's a supernatural communication that you've given to us, that you've prepared these words for us even on this day. And so, Lord, we ask that it would be a light to our feet, a lamp for our path, that you would direct and guide us and speak to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't pray those words lightly, by the way. I want you to know that if you've got a journal with you that I encourage you to write, not necessarily because I've got that much great stuff to say, but oftentimes when someone is speaking, God can be speaking to you. Feel free to check out. Feel free to write what he's saying to you. Feel free to whatever the Spirit is saying to you. Uh, it's on recording. You won't miss, you know, you can come back if you need to. Just know that that's, our goal is not to just hear what one guy can say, but what the Lord is saying. And oftentimes it's through something I might say. Oftentimes it's something that might be prompted to you when you see a scripture. I won't be offended, I promise. And, and, and if you, you know, if you've got your little smartphones, don't be embarrassed. You can write on those too. And, uh, and I, won't, I won't think that you're on Twitter. This scene in Luke chapter 19 is pretty doggone spectacular. It's, it's kind of surreal as well, but spectacular because Jesus didn't do this normally. If you remember right, Jesus would actually, he would do a miracle and he'd like, hey, look, I, you got to shut up. Don't go tell anybody that. Be quiet. He wasn't into like the Donald Trump, you know, he didn't announce this, you know, on, on TV, you know, that he's going to run for Jesus. I mean, he's, he, he was... He was real quiet about it. And this is different, though. He, there's a, he is a, he's shifting gears here because all of a sudden he's doing something that was very intentional and very public. It was, a, I mean, for lack of a better word, a publicity stunt. He was making a statement with a public thing. And I think there's a, a couple of reasons why he decided now for this was the moment to go public with what he was doing. Not that he wasn't before, but I'm talking like fanfare, people waving palm branches, Jesus riding in on the, well, donkey, so that wasn't quite as cool as you want it to be. But he's riding in, and they're all, I mean, it's, he'd never done that before. He'd never allowed that to happen. In fact, right after he fed the 5,000, they're like, oh, we want you to be our king, be Lord over us. And what did he do? He split town. 
he walked away. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that, one of which is right in front of us, and that's that he was orchestrating something that was absolutely about a specific day, a specific time, a prophecy. And so he had to orchestrate it because it couldn't go too fast and too early because it had to be in God's appointed time. And in that alone is a word for us. It's a word for you if you're, especially if you're in your 20s, but you know, if you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, you have this tendency to see what God is doing or what you see him doing in your life and you want to hurry it up. And you want to kind of speed it up and cut some corners and why not now? And you get frustrated. God, I have this promise for you. Why is it not? I got stuff I got to do. Why is it not now? And I'm telling you, it's because there's an appointed time. There's an appointed day for that. And Jesus, he could have sped it up, but he needed it to happen in the day. And he did it, number one, to fulfill Bible prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9 tells us, I can read it and you can go there later. It says to rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. It's so funny, the contradiction even in that phrase. He comes to you victorious and you think and on a Sherman tank and, you know, MacArthur, but he's on a little colt, one that had never been ridden before which I, it was the first time I noticed that this week, so I wondered if they had to break him on the way over there. I don't know if you've ever seen a horse getting broken in before. That would be fascinating, so I don't know if there was some extra little miracle in that, but he was doing it to fulfill exactly, not only that he would come in in that method, but that he would come in on that day. And that day was April 6th, 32 AD. That day. And we know that because when you look at history and see that Tiberius had come into power when Jesus had announced his public ministry and you see that he had celebrated four Passovers. This would have been the last Passover. You can know with certainty that it was April 6th, 32 AD, that Jesus came riding into town. And you're thinking, this is great during his history channel. And if, by the way, if this bores you, check out and come right back. I'll be back in a minute. But this, this is germane because of this, because 173,880 days earlier, which is 483 years, Daniel, in chapter 9 of Daniel, would make a statement. He would say that, you're, that he would come, Messiah would come, in a period of 69 weeks, which were 69 seven-year periods. And you multiply that by 483, or it's basically that's 483 years, 69 times 7, Divided by the days, factor in four uh, leap years, add the 20-some days between March. This, by the way, with that statement was made in March 14th, 445 B.C. Add it all together. And so when Jesus said specifically, you should have known that on that day, the guys that he was speaking to were the Pharisees. The guys that should have known, 6,000 strong, that knew the days. They, they were so pious that they would, because they, they didn't want to break the law, they would walk with their heads down because they didn't want to venture and risk seeing a beautiful woman and lusting and sinning. They would separate out their salt because they wanted to make sure they were giving 10% or their tithe of that. How did they not know? And Jesus said, you should have known that this day, April 6th, 32 AD, that I would come riding into town. It was to fulfill a prophecy, over 300 of them that would be fulfilled in the life of Christ perfectly and without fail. This one was no exception. It was to fulfill the prophecy. But not only that, I believe it was also 
to force the hands of his enemy. And what I mean by that was if you go to Matthew 26, 5, you can go there later. We, just, we read that his enemies planned to kill him after the Passover. That was a problem because the Passover was that, that holiday that was commemorated, that celebration of when the angel of death passed over the people of Israel. If they had painted on their door, uh, their door jam posts, the blood, the top, the sides, and the bottom that would form a cross, the blood of the lamb, which is why John would say, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the whole world, that he had to die on the Passover. It would have blown the whole thing. If one of those 300 and some prophecies were not fulfilled, we would have a doubt. We'd have a, well, he got almost all of them, 100% or nothing. When he comes riding into town and they are, again, the Pharisees looking on these people and they're shouting, Behold, you know, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. They were going to have to do one of two things. You're going to have to coronate him as king, or they're going to have to kill him. Those were his two options. Jesus riding into town, fulfilling prophecy, forcing the hands of his enemies, and making a statement in this spectacular scene so that Psalm 118.24 could be fulfilled. What is Psalm 118.24? You must, if you grew up in a church like I did, you might have sang it. This is the day the Lord has made that I will rejoice and be glad in it. Fulfilling that, that you've probably heard preachers say, you've probably heard worship leaders say, stand up and rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, that's a true statement. It's accurate. But the context of Psalm 118 is a prophetic prophecy of Jesus. And it says that he would be the cornerstone that the builders rejected. Jesus, in the parallel account of this, would actually refer to that, that I am the cornerstone that, the, that you have rejected, the builders. And so when it goes on to say that this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, it was talking specifically about that day, April 6th, 32 AD. Rejoice and be glad in it. It says that they would shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what did they do? They shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is important, and you're probably thinking, that's great, Darren, excellent history lesson, can I go? Almost. It's important because when, in Luke 19, Jesus would say unto the, to the Pharisees, that if you'd had only known that this was your day of my visitation, and so while the crowds, I love it the way that John Corson, who's a pastor up in Oregon, put it, he said that while the crowds were cheering, that the Pharisees were sneering. And they were sneering because not only because of the blasphemous statements, but the Pharisees were descendants of the Maccabeans, of those that 146 years earlier had overthrown the Assyrians in an amazing miracle that is to this day celebrated so much that even Adam Sandler wrote a song about it called Hanukkah, Chanukkah, whatever he called it. But it's Hanukkah, celebrating this miraculous victory that had happened. These Pharisees were descendants of those that were a part of that battle. So they were, yeah, they were religious. And yeah, they were uh, zealots and all those things, but they were also patriots. And so they would look at the country of Rome that was occupying them. And in much the same way that you would look at it, if someone was occupying us, we're going to take care of this. Someday, we're going to overthrow this oppressive regime. We're going to throw the Romans out so that we can have our own 
country again. And so when they're saying to them, shut these kids up, in Matthew 21, we're told that it was actually children that were leading the charge, that were singing. Not only because it was blasphemous, but because you're going to call attention to us and you're going to blow the whole thing. We're going to overthrow this government, but not this way. It's a lot harder than this. It's a lot more complex. It's a lot more problematic, and we cannot have these kids calling attention to this king. You're going to get us in a lot of trouble. Shut those kids up. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. This is why this is important to us. It's why it's germane in our lives, because we live in an occupied territory called the earth. The Bible will tell us in uh, Paul tells us that the prince of the power of the area t- talks about Satan being in charge of this earth for a period of time. It's an occupied territory. And so in this kind of a day, you or I might actually feel like we're a little bit surrounded by forces that are greater than us in a nation that is squeezing us in. It might be a financial burden that is crushing you, that's on all sides of you, closing in on you. And Jesus paints a picture not only for how it worked in that day, but for how it can work in our day. Because what did they do? They just shouted, Hosanna. Save now is what Hosanna means. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're surrounded by their oppressors. They are surrounded by danger, and yet they sang. And here's why this is important to you and to I. Because inside of our heads, we need it, we feel like it's hard, it's complicated. There are Pharisees, so to speak, in our heads that would say to you and to me, it's just not that easy. This is a lot harder. You need therapy. You've got to have counseling. You've got to read all these books. You've got to get these 10 steps. It's so much harder than that. And Jesus would say, it's not. It's really quite simple. That when you're surrounded, that your response ought to be, Hosanna. Hosanna now. And never to let your geographical location be confused with your spiritual situation. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your geographical location get confused with your spiritual situation. We are located in a place where there are enemies on all sides of us. But I've got great news. The king has entered the scene. When you recognize the entrance of the king in your life, and great news, wherever there are two or three gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them in a special kind of way. Just by being here this morning, you're in the presence of the Lord. The king has entered your situation. He says, lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. He's with you everywhere. But today he's here because we're all here. He's here with us. You can recognize the entrance of the king in your life. And then when you do that, when you see him in your life and recognize that he's here like they did, then we just exercise our childlike faith and praise him anyway. Jesus would say in Matthew 21 something that was actually kind of shocking when he said in the parallel passage, when the Pharisees said, shut them up, he quoted Psalm 8-2 and he said, have you not read that out of the mouths of babes that I have perfected praise? Jeremy was making reference of it, but you know, I mean, and and look, I get it. I'm that guy too. I mean, nobody's really moving. I don't know, you know. But man, two weeks ago when the kids were in here, out of the mouths of our children, your children and my children, God was perfecting praise. Because I want you to know of everything that was on their mind, let me tell you what wasn't on their mind, you. 
or me, or the financial problems, or the sickness, or the, it was just God on their minds, singing, woo-hoo. And Jesus says that out of that, that is perfect praise. It just is. And I know that the Pharisees in my mind and in your mind are like, yeah, but Darren, you, this is a lot harder than that. I know your situation might not be, but you have no idea what I'm facing. And I, I mean, I'll just ask you, Dr. Phil style, well, how's your way working out? I mean, Jesus said, do this, and you've been, you know, I do that too. I try all these other things. And sometimes you've got to look, well, maybe God was on to something. Maybe he's on to something. And my prayer for us on this Palm Sunday is that whatever forces occupy our time, occupy our finances, occupy our health, that whatever forces seem to be in control around us to not confuse your geographical location with your spiritual situation because you are redeemed. Your king is here. He is in you, occupying you. He is in control because as he wrote in that day, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that by forcing their hands that it would be on the Passover at the appointed time, appointed 173,880 days before, that on that day and on that time that it would come to pass. And you think, man, Darren, I'm waiting for like a couple days for mine. 173,880 days, that's how long before. And in God, that's just a snap of time. Darren, I've been waiting a couple years. I've been waiting 10 years, I know. But on that day, on the appointed day, it will come to pass. And until that time, might you and I, and as our musicians come back to worship with us, on that day, as it approaches, might you and I stand in the presence of the Lord and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, worshiping him, singing praises to him, shouting out to him in a childlike faith, exercising that faith of a child that Jesus promised could be ours if we would only believe. Father, we thank you for this day, this Palm Sunday, that you have been glorified in us. And today we recognize an entrance of you into our existence, into our story, and look that the forces around us might have gathered, but you have ridden into town. And at the appointed time and not a minute sooner, you will do what you have promised to do in our lives. We do ask for the healing. We ask for financial relief for us. We ask for direction and wisdom and guidance and all those things. We do ask for them and know that you will bring it to us at the appointed time. And until that moment, Hosanna, Hosanna. In Jesus' name, amen.